This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas. A community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org ut. Or find us on Instagram at TexasRUF. John 14, 1 through 11. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Show us the Lord and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Man, thanks, Josie. Well, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Thanks for being here with us tonight. Uh, <laughs> if you're really sketched out by what I just said, uh, watch Tiger King and it's, it's all good. By the way, I'm mad at you guys for not telling me about that show. I had to discover that show on my own. Y'all are supposed to keep me like culturally relevant and tell me when like cool, funny things are happening. But we just discovered that on Netflix and like randomly turned it on. And um, oh man, it's been quite a delight. We're three episodes in. Um, y'all, thanks for being here. It's good to be with y'all tonight. Uh, I miss you guys. I'm thankful that we can still meet this way, even if it's not uh, the way that we wish we could meet. Um, a couple things before we start. If this is your first time at RUF, if you're kind of dipping in to check this out, welcome. We're really glad that you're here at RUF. We believe that Christianity is simply one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And that means I'm a fellow beggar. All of us are. Um, but we believe that the Bible tells a true story of a God who saves spiritual beggars like us. Um, secondly, one thing I want to, to say to y'all tonight, too, if any of y'all have financial needs, um, would you please let us know? Uh, I know a lot of, uh, of y'all work, and if that's if, if your work's been impacting um, and you are in financial stress, we'd love to connect you to um, any kind of resources that would be helpful to you. Um, and not just financially. If there's uh, any prayer requests that you have, if you need counseling, if there's anything that y'all need, seriously, it's our privilege to, to be here for y'all and to help you. We love you guys, um, and we want to help however we can. Uh, let me pray for us, and we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, in God's Word that Josie just read to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these students and for this chance to be together. Um, I pray that you would meet with us uh, now, um, that you would meet with us through your Word, and that we would see more of who you are. Um, and we pray and ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, um, Dealing with reality can be an unsettling thing. Yeah, um, I've certainly felt that these last couple of weeks. And it reminds me, um, strangely, of a story that I heard. And I've wanted to tell you all this story, but I didn't know how. 
Um, but with <laughs> Chrissy knows where this is going, <laughs> but with the technology that we have readily available, I feel like I can finally tell you this story. Um, so, uh, a pastor friend of mine, Brent told this story at, uh, RUF staff training, uh, to a group of pastors and I'm relaying it to you. So he, uh, he's a pastor in Knoxville, Tennessee. He had some friends move, um, and they got a new house. They were new to town. And, um, it was, I think a husband and a wife had, um, a couple kids and the husband worked out of town quite a bit. Um, in fact, he had to go uh, a lot to Europe and kind of all over the East coast. And so he was out of the house a lot, but they were in, the, they were kind of settling in this new house, you know, getting a new house. It's got like maybe weird noises that it makes, you know, if it's pipes or whatever, but their, uh, their bedroom sat directly below the attic and they kept their master bedroom and they kept hearing what sounded uh, like something up in their attic. And they were kind of freaked out about it, but not really sure. Like, you know, whatever, it's probably just like a bird or something. We'll get, it'll leave. But um, when about a week after they'd been staying at their house, the husband had gone on a trip to Europe and he's, uh, he's gone and his wife, is hearing this noise and it's it feels like it's getting louder and the thing is still there and so she calls him one night and just like i can't sleep and like there's something up there and um like he like what do i do like you're not here i to help me to tell me what to do he's like well you need to find out what it is so we can get like an exterminator out here uh, he, and he can take care of it she's like i'm not going up there by myself like you're gonna make me go up and check out what this creature is up there and he's like well I don't know what to tell you and so um eventually they make a deal they go and find their kids selfie stick you know like the big long stuff that kind of those are and she climbs up a couple steps to the attic and she holds up the selfie stick to see like what is this and she takes a picture and she pulls the picture back down and this is the picture that she saw. Yes, you're correct. Your faces are amazing right now. <laughs> That's what she saw. So she freaks out. She um, slams the attic shut gets the kids out of the house, um, calls the police. And sure enough, you can Google this later if you don't believe me. This is a true story. This is not an April Fool's. This is legit. She gets out of the house because there's a man living in their attic. Those, those clothes that you saw uh, next to him were, were her husband's clothes. He'd been living in there, um, eating their food, wearing their clothes, <laughs> and just hanging out. Um, found himself a good spot. Um, and... I want you to think about the unsettling reality that must have sunk in with her when she saw that. Namely, like, okay, this is happening. I'm getting out and I'm calling the police. And dealing with reality, with the reality of our world, often is troubling, right? It's troubling for her and it's troubling for us now. And we like to do a lot of things to deal with the reality of our world. We like to distract ourselves from it. We like to avoid it. But moments like the one that we're in right now keeps us from being able to avoid or distract ourselves from the reality that our world is facing. But the good news is that Jesus does not 
avoid the world's brokenness. When it comes to our trouble and our suffering and our chaos, Jesus is actually the most realistic person who ever lived. He responds to the world's troubles. Um, He doesn't distract himself from it. He doesn't run away from it. And this passage that Josie just read, what you see is that the disciples are troubled. They're really bothered. Um, And the reason that they're bothered, if you look uh, a few verses before, it's because of what Jesus has told them. First off, he tells them, hey, one of you is going to betray me. So that's bothering them. Who is it? They don't know. They're all freaking out about it. Secondly, he says, I'm going to be leaving you soon. There's going to be some social distancing that's going to happen between Jesus and his disciples. And third, um, the disciple who's kind of the leader of their group, Peter, he looks at Peter and he's like, oh yeah, and Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the morning happens. And oh, by the way, all of you are going to run away from me. That's all happening tonight. And they're freaking out with this reality. They're dealing with this reality. And they're, it says they're troubled. They're anxious and they're troubled because their plans have been ruined. They've been following this, um, this rabbi who they believe is going to, um, to establish a reign on earth and um, get this Rome problem fixed. And they have all these plans that, um, that are going to happen and their plans are being ruined. Uh, Their plans are being ruined by this reality that Jesus is telling them about. And I wonder if you are feeling that right now. I know that I have, and I I know that you are. Um, I know that uh, if you're like me, you're feeling, you felt anxious. You felt sad. I have felt so sad for y'all. Really sad for the seniors. And in fact, seniors for a lot of, when I think about, um, this time for y'all, I feel angry about it too. Honestly, I feel angry that this is that that these last couple months um, that are so fun and sweet have been taken away from you, and it doesn't feel fair. Maybe you felt sad. Maybe you felt angry. Maybe you felt afraid. Is someone I love going to be impacted by this? How is this going to change my summer internship, my job hunt? How is this going to change the trajectory of my life? And does God care about this? And I want you to see that here in this passage, first off, Jesus has every right to be stressed and anxious and troubled. Jesus is the one who should be anxious and troubled. He knows that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be abandoned by these disciples. But who is he concerned about? Look at, if you look at verse 1, he, Jesus is looking at his disciples, these guys who are about to totally fail him, and he's comforting them. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And this is a great picture of who God is in the face of chaos. It's a great picture of who he is. He's loving, he's powerful, and he's mysterious. You see that he's loving because Jesus is concerned about them. Jesus cares about their fear that, that they're facing in this in this unsettling reality that that's come upon them. Y'all, if Jesus was like us, he, what he'd do is he'd look at them and say, I can't believe you guys. I've been telling you clearly over and over that I'm going to be crucified and the day is about to happen and you still don't get it. And every single one of you is about to let me down. Jesus has every right to be annoyed and disappointed and frustrated with them. But what he does instead is he comforts them. He's present with them despite the failure that he knows is about to ensue. He's present with them also despite knowing the future. Look, if Jesus is like us, 
if G- if we were like Jesus and we knew the future, like Jesus here knows what's going to happen. He knows this is all going to work out in the end. The temptation would be like, hey, y'all, don't be troubled. Don't be upset. Like, listen, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to rise again. It's going to be great. It's fine. It's all going to work out. But he doesn't do that either. He doesn't dismiss them. He cares for them. He cares for the trouble that they are feeling in their hearts. He cares about their disappointments and their fears and their grief. And Jesus cares about yours too. He cares about your sadness and your anger. He cares about your fear. He cares about your disappointments. He cares about your boredom right now. He cares about that. There's two things that we know that God always counts in the Bible. It says it multiple times. God, God is counting these things. One is we know that God counts the hairs on our head. That we don't, when Jesus tells us not to be anxious, the way that he assures us that is that, that God so intimately is caring for us that he knows the number of hairs on our heads. But also God counts our tears. The Bible tells us multiple times that God, he actually keeps our tears. He cares about our sadnesses and our anxieties because he loves us. That's who God is in the midst of chaos. He's loving, but he's also powerful because what does Jesus do? He comforts them by confronting their immediate reality with a future reality. They're afraid about like what's about to happen that day, but Jesus points them to a deeper reality. He points them to heaven. He says, look, I'm not leaving you for good. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go somewhere where you're not going to be for like a couple days where you're going to be for eternity. And y'all, this is true. This is our hope that Jesus goes before us to prepare a place for us. A dear uh, pastor friend of ours. In fact, he um, baptized me when I was a little baby. His wife, Linda died a couple days ago. And she didn't die, uh, they don't think, from the coronavirus. Uh, but it was from other complications, um, health complications. But I can't imagine what it's going to be like for that family to grieve her right now in the midst of all this. But what is true for Linda is that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for her. It's true. Look, there is way too much death that's happened even within our own community of RUF and the people that you love. And Jesus has gone before his children to prepare a place for them because he's good and he's powerful enough to do it. He can do it. A pastor uh, of 40 years uh, was asked this question, who are the most spiritually mature people? You know, a friend of mine told my, a friend of mine asked this pastor, friend of his, this question: Who are the most spiritually mature people that you know? And this pastor of forty years thought for a second, and his answer was this: People who work in hospice care. Those are the most spiritually mature people that I know. That's an interesting answer. But if you think about it, it makes sense. Because every day, someone who works in hospice care, if you don't know what hospice is, it's basically um, where you go after the hospital can't take care of you anymore, when you're, when you're not going to live. Um, they, you go to hospice, and they make you comfortable, um, and they are with you through the process of dying. And someone who works in hospice care is faced 
every single day with the reality that's the, the same reality that's really throwing our world into upheaval right now. It's the reality that one day all of us are going to die. So why trust Jesus? Well, Jesus is revealing himself here to be loving and to care. He's also revealing himself to be powerful, that he can actually do something about our death that we fear, that he can prepare a place for us. But that's like, a, that's like the mystery, right, about God. Like how can God be powerful and loving, and yet there still is like sin and evil and death in the world? Like why is that? And the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't fully answer that question. In fact, no worldview fully answers that question. Um, but I think the Christian worldview, the Christian religion, gives us the best answers to deal with that question. The question of how can God be powerful and loving and how can there be evil in the world? Because the Christian God, we have a God who is both too big for us to understand, right? That's a good thing. That means because he's mysterious, that means that we can't wrap our mind around him. You don't want to worship a God who you can wrap your mind around. That means he's a really small God because our minds are small. But we also have a God, not only who is more vast than our understanding, but who is also so intimate and imminent with us that he proves that he's worthy of our trust because he entered into the world. He entered into our suffering. He entered into our pain and no other religion has that. They don't. There's no other religion like that where the God who asks us to trust him proves that he's trustworthy by entering into our suffering and our pain and our chaos in order to take it away. So why trust this mysterious Jesus? Because look, Jesus is mysterious to the, the disciples here in this passage. They're, they're not understanding what he's saying. Like Philip says, show us the father, Jesus. And Jesus is like, do you still not know? It's still a mystery to Philip. At verse nine, he says, Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the father. And that is a, an amazing statement. Think about that. Because sometimes we like to imagine that God is like the old Testament. God is this kind of like God, the father, and he's grouchy and kind of stingy and annoyed with us. But Jesus is this cool hippie and he's chill and nice. But what Jesus is saying is no, if you, if you want to know what the father is like, if you want to see the father, look at me. So what does that mean? It means that God is the God who loves the sick. He's the God who feeds the hungry, who approaches the ashamed. He's the God who redeems the sinner. He's the God who suffers and bleeds and dies for failures. And he's the God who holds out resurrection hope to anyone who will believe, who goes and prepares a place for us. You see how many times Jesus says in this passage to believe? He says it over and over. He says it five times. Believe, believe, believe. Why? Why should we believe? Because he's the way. <laughs> Thomas, a, a, another disciple who's grappling with the mysteries of Jesus. Jesus says, you guys know the way. And in verse four, Thomas is like, um, no, we don't. We don't know the way to go to your father's house. And then Jesus answer his answer to these mysteries, his answer to them not understanding is himself. That's God's answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father. And he's the only one who makes sense of why there's evil and suffering in the world. And how God can be good. 
because Jesus enters into it to save us. He makes sense of the mystery. And because he is the way, because he is, I mean, this is cheesy thinking about the picture I just put up, but he is the real man upstairs. Sorry, I couldn't resist. But Jesus is the, he's the real man upstairs. And that means that we've got to deal with him. We have to deal with his reality of who he really is. But the good news is he is the life. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Y'all, that's such a good, it's such good news. Okay, Owen, I'm going to talk about you for a second. So if you had asked Owen, like a couple months ago, what his favorite food was, what would you have said? Pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. I knew it. Pigs in a blanket is his favorite food. Like, what a nine-year-old boy answer, right? <laughs> Pigs in a blanket. So, <laughs> so we're coming back from Winter Conference, and our speaker, uh, Matt Trexler, loves barbecue. I was like, dude, I'm going to take you to La Barbecue. And Owen was in the car, and so he's just kind of along for the ride. And we go to La Barbecue, and um, we order just, you know, thick-cut, extra-moist brisket. And I put it on Owen's plate, and he's got, like, a huge stack of orange uh, cheddar Pringles that he's pretty much only going to eat. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to try this brisket. And I'm like, buddy, just try it. Just trust me. This is better than pigs in a blanket. I'm not lying to you. And I was like, you've got, you've got to believe it. And he put that in his mouth and it blew his mind. It blew his mind. He's like, this is unbelievable. He couldn't, you know, he thought pigs in a blanket was the best food. And he, the kid still hasn't had a ribeye, by the way, that's going to blow your mind too. But I think, look, I think that, that when, we, when we go to like a vacation and we've been there for a couple of days, we've kind of unwound and we're looking around, what do we say? This is the life. Man, this is a life. And I think God looks at us in the same way a father looks at his, at his child who, whose favorite foods, pigs in a blanket, and just says, man, you don't even know. It's so much better. This isn't the life. God has gone before us. To, Jesus has gone before us to prepare a place for us with him. Jesus, think about this. Jesus, who is the source of all life, everything good that we enjoy is from him. If he's the creator, that means that he's the person, he's the one who thought of enjoyment and flavor and rhythm and dance and fun. The first miracle in the book of John, what Jesus does is he goes to a party that has died down because it's run out of wine and he makes 150 gallons of the best wine anyone has ever had. That's like 900 bottles of wine. Can you imagine someone showing up to your wedding with 900 bottles of wine? You'd be like, who is this person? What are they about? What Jesus is about, he's about life. He's the life of the party. He's the life of the feast. He is the source of all life and he's the truth and he's the way. You don't have to find your own way. That's what he's telling Thomas. He's made a way. So friends, in the face of our fears and our sadnesses and our anxieties, know that Christ is with you and also believe in him. Believe because all the things that we enjoy are pointing to the one who's made it because he's the life. And friends, let me tell you, in the end, Jesus wins. He wins. Let me pray. Father, um, we thank you for this chance to be together. And we thank you for your word. Um, and we thank you for how you've revealed who you are in it. 
Jesus, we pray that you would help us um, in the midst of this time to trust you more deeply, to believe, uh, to believe that this world is not all there is, uh, but to know and to hope in the reality that you have won, um, you have won heaven for us, for anyone who would come to you and believe. And so I pray that you would help us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.